We're in this church series, man, and, and I, um, it is really neat. So many of you have either texted or called. I've seen you in restaurants or I've seen you out and about, and it's been neat, I think, how it's all challenging us to look at church for what it is, what the Bible says it is, not for what we think it is. And speaking of that, you know, um, I, I've, I've never been the kind of pastor that, that has a, a vision for the city. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Don't, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I, I, I've never, I've, no church I've ever served that I ever have like a, a single vision, like for instance, uh, and there are pastors that do this and it's not good or bad. It's just not what God has done in my life. I, there are pastors out there, hey, we're going to end human trafficking in this town. You know, um, that, listen, I've spent a lot of years working against human trafficking and some, put a lot of money where my mouth is, Michelle and I have, and, but, but, but truthfully, like, I've never had just a, a one purpose or, or we're going we're gonna to end homelessness in this town or we're going to end poverty in Franklin. I, 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 personally, I've always believed that, that the body of Christ is so diverse and, and, there's a, and, and if, if, let's say, we, we chose one big vision, we're going to end poverty, well, then you're either in or you're out if you're not called to that. If you're, you know, it's not, poverty is important, but there's a lot more to the body of Christ than that. And so I've always believed, you, you know what my calling is? My calling is to help you find yours. That's my calling. My calling my whole life has been to help you find yours. And, and that's what matters to me the most. And today in this church series, we're going to talk about church and what it means to be designed uh, for presence. We're going to call it that, what it means to be designed for presence. And we're going to, about, about your presence in the kingdom of God, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2 in just a minute. If you've got a Bible, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. And, and we're going to look at, you know, one of the things we've been doing is we've been looking at, okay, we know what we think a healthy church might look like, but what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say are metrics of health? And one of those metrics of health is, is a church creating missionaries. And I don't mean people going to Bangladesh or Pakistan or Scotland, that's great and it's important. I'm talking about, you know, Jesus told us that we will be witnesses in Jerusalem first. That's where you live every day. You're never going to have more impact somewhere else than where you live every day. And where you live every day matters the most. It really, everything matters, but it matters the most here. And so an indicator of health is are the individuals in that church finding their calling? Are they understanding it? So I want you to look in Ephesians 2, and Paul, Paul loved the church at Ephesus. He really did, and, and you can tell by the way he talked to them. And, and so he's telling them about who they used to be, that, that they were dead in their trespasses and sins, and God set them free. But if you look in, in verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, dead, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and been raised up with him and seated uh, with, uh, with us. In, uh, let me read that again. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It is by grace you've been saved through faith and not that of yourselves, meaning not, you, you didn't earn that. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, meaning you, you, didn't, you didn't pay God off. You didn't have enough good behavior. Verse 9 says, no. Then here's, here's the key verse today. For we are his workmanship. It means his work of art, literally. We are his workmanship created 
in Christ, you, you want to know why you were created here? He's telling you right here. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You see, that's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is not that we look at the artwork and, and go, oh, wow, when we sing to God, you know, what a beautiful thing he made when he made me because some of you aren't that good looking, you know? I mean, that's, come on, that was pretty good. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't give me anything on that. No, it's not, a, it's not about us going, God, what a wonderful work of art you made when you made me. The whole heart of the gospel, it's not the artwork, it's the artist. It's the artist. Look at what God can do with anybody. It's amazing. The, the heart of the gospel is that while you were dead, in other words, you can't, you know, dead is dead. You, you can't just... Come back from dead. It says he breathed life into you. But he didn't breathe life into you for you to, you know, just go, oh, wow, well, what a wonderful thing he did when he made me. No, he breathed life into you so that you could go and do something in his name. It's the heart of the gospel is never the artwork. It's the artist that can do that. Today, if I could summarize Ephesians 2.10 in, in, in a a pavement level phrase, I would say it this way, you were designed to make a difference. You were designed to make a difference. That's why God made you. God made you. And you hear us at Clearview all the time. We talk so much about, we believe there should be no more purposeless people. God made you. You know why we do that, by the way? You know why purpose and you finding your purpose is so important? Because your great, great, grand, even if you're not even married, or if you're just newly married, or if you're 80 years old, your great, 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 great grandchildren will ask the same questions you do. Why am I here? Everybody wants to know that. People are wandering around aimlessly, and God, we know that God made us for a reason, and today I'm going to talk to you about, I want to spend just a second before we get into the, the heartbeat of this passage I'm going to give you some very practical application this morning over what it is and how it works. But I want, I want to take a second to let you know that it's not just feel-good talk that, hey, oh, you're made for a purpose and you're made for a difference. No, the scriptures testify over and over. So I'm going to give you some supporting verses that show you when, when we say God made you, it, it's true. And I'm going to show, share with you from the Word of God how that is. Number one, God is sovereign in his design of my person. Say, so what do you mean by that? I'm going to take a second to set this up theologically for you, okay, before we get into Ephesians 2.10 a little deeper. We're going to add some rebar to the, to the, to the foundation of the home right here. God, God is sovereign in his design over my person. Now, I want you to look at what he said in Genesis 1. You don't have to turn there. I put it on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 1, he's talking, it's Jesus, by the way. If, I don't know if you're new to church or maybe Christianity's new for you, but Jesus didn't just show up at 0 AD. Jesus was in the beginning. All right, so, so look, it says, let us make man, let us make man, and that is mankind, okay? Ha-adam, let us, make, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule. Right out of the gate, God gave you a job. Right out of the gate, God gave you a job. God doesn't do anything just, you know, so what, what if, maybe ever, right? Never. You, you, you never see a, a, a potter do something by happenstance. Let us make man in our image. God made you in his image and in his likeness. You know that word image, by the way? You know what that word means? It means representative figure. 
It's really important that you know that. It means representative figure. It mean, let, me, let me tell you all something. This, this, this should bless you. If it doesn't, it should. You know, God could have chosen any blueprint he wanted when he made you. I mean, he could have made human beings to look like orbs. He could have made us, you know, with a, a tail, like a beaver. He could have made you... He could have made us all bald. Maybe he is. That, that, maybe that was his plan. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It seems to be working for most of us over time. God could have chosen any blueprint he wanted. And he chose himself. You are formed in the image of God. Now, I, I, don't, I wouldn't take that so far to mean that God has, you know, toes. I don't know. We'll find out one day. <laughs> But it should bless you to know that God is sovereign over your image. He is sovereign over over your your very representative figure. You're the chosen blueprint. So, you know, that longing, man, this is really important for you this morning. I don't care how old you are. If If you're not dead, you're not done. Amen? If you're not dead, you're not done. So, let me tell you, if you've never found your purpose, start. We're going to help you start. That longing that the human heart has, that longing that the human heart has to matter, that longing that you have to, you know, I've never met a human being, I've never met a single human being in my life that said, you know, I I, I just have, I hope I die and nobody knows my name. I hope I live my whole life in meaninglessness with nothing to add to the world. I hope, my, I hope I mean nothing and it just, that's all. I've never met anybody like that. Every human heart wants to know that your life counts. In fact, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes that, that God has formed eternity in the heart of a person. He has set eternity. That longing that you have, that's by design. In, in Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul even alludes to it. Romans 1 is, by the way, if you want a long commentary on human culture, read Romans 1 because it's, it, it's telling you what's going down right now in human culture. Read Romans 1. But there's a verse in Romans 1, 18, that says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Really important right here. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Let me tell you what he's saying right there. Do you understand that if a person rejects the truths of the gospel, or if a person rejects the truths of scripture, we all think that people reject God this way, like we hold God back. No, 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 no. For in order for you to reject God this way, you have to first suppress him this way. You have to push him down. You were made eternally. You were made to feel So that whole thing about people walking away from God, in order for their mind to become dull, in order for their heart to become dull, they don't just turn off God like a light switch. They first have to kill him on the inside. See, you were made to feel that longing to want to matter. God is, he he is sovereign over how he made us. And I would even go so far as to say even more, the scriptures testify that God is sovereign over the foresight of my life. God is sovereign over the foresight of my life. Say, what do you mean by that, Jason? Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created for good works. We were created as works of art. 
You know how the Old Testament testifies to that? Psalm 139. I mean, it's a beautiful psalm. There's some language in here that you've probably heard before. Look at this verse, Psalm 139. Go, go to the next. There we go, yeah. It says, the Bible says, I am, David was praying to God. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were, were all written the days that were ordained. Ordained. They have, your, days have a, your days have a purpose. Jason's not making that up. That's the word of God right there. Your days have a purpose. And in your book were, were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. Before those days were here, God had a plan for you. Now, we use that, that word all the time, I'm, I'm wonderfully made, and, and it's easy to go, you know, it's easy to even sing songs and go, wow, God, I'm, I'm wonderfully made. Let me tell you, he's not saying, there again, the, the beauty of the gospel is not in the artwork, the beauty is in the artist, right? And so it's not for us to say, "Woo, I'm wonderfully made, which you are, but let me tell you, this whole idea of wonderfully made, you know what it means in the root? In the root, it means distinct. In the root of the language, it means you were made distinct. Literally, God made you as a man to be a man. God made you as a woman to be a woman. God made you to be formed like you. So when you tell, when you, listen, when you're not, when you're not excited about who you are, you're complaining to the artist. Don't do that. Don't complain to the artist. He knows exactly what he's doing when he made you. He knows exactly what... Let me, let me show you something right here. Um, so this, these are... Uh, I brought up... Now, don't y'all steal these, okay? Um, I don't trust some of y'all, you know. So there's, here's two pieces of pottery. That, the boys got me this for uh, Father's Day. So we, I, like, I like pottery that... Uh, that has like multiple colors, you know, when the artist puts stuff together and, you know, make like cool indigo colors and stuff in there. And it's a coffee cup and I drink out of it all the time. And, and, and so it, it's, it's, it's clay, right? You, you know what it is. You don't even have to, you, if you walked past it on a shelf, it's a coffee cup. You would know, right? I bought this from a shell many, many years ago um, in North Carolina. I was speaking there, and I dropped into this. You know, up in the mountains, they have all these. You've seen them, all these people that make art, and, you know, they're just these little mom-and-pop shops. And, and this lady, uh, she made these, this really cool vase, and it's got this blue, and it, I don't know, it just caught my eye. I bought it for our anniversary, and we put flowers in it, because I, I get her flowers like twice a day, and so we need a lot of vases. And, and, uh, and so, but the, uh, you know, you, you could, you, you can, you can look at the pottery and know the purpose. See, because the design reveals the purpose, right? The design reveals the purpose. You would never go dig a ditch with a coffee cup. It's going to take you a while. The design reveals the purpose. You would never use this vase as a baseball bat. The, the design reveals the purpose. You see, you, you have... And he's better be sitting right here when I'm done with this sermon. Um, when, when God made you, the Bible says that it was predetermined. It was predetermined. But have you ever thought? Have you ever thought about God's motive? 
Have you ever thought about his motive for doing that? Have you ever thought about his motive for designing you the way you are? Some of you are entrepreneurial in your mindset. Some of you are support-driven in your mindset. You, you know, you don't want to start anything. You don't want to lead anything. You just want to support something, right? That's cool. Some of you are introverts. You listen really well. Some of you are like me, bleeding extroverts, right? Painful. I'm on the cutting edge of hyper, you know? It's how God made me. I, I quit fighting it a long time ago. It's just, it's part, it's part of who you are. It's part of who you are. You ever thought about God's motive, though? Let me, let me tell you. Now, let's, let's remember what Ephesians 2.10 says, right? Ephesians 2.10 says that God made you as a workmanship, a work of art, that you, might, that you was prepared beforehand for good work so that you would go do them. You want to put that verse into a simple everyday sentence? God made me to engage a broken world. He made you. He, he made you for good works. See, now let me tell you why this really matters. He made you to engage a broken world. And until you find your purpose, you're, you're never going to understand that. Until you find your purpose, it's never going to make sense for you. you. You have to understand who God made when he made you. Let's look at this verse again. Okay? Ephesians 2.10. For we are his work of art created... In Christ for good works. Now, he just said you weren't saved by good works, meaning you weren't saved on behavior. You weren't saved on merit. But that doesn't say that you weren't saved. You were never saved to soak. Now, that's, that's a whole different thing. That whole idea of good works in which God prepared it beforehand so that you would walk in them. Now, when you hear the word walk, you think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to walk. Let me tell you, that word walk is a very important word in the scriptures. That, that word means to, to construct something comprehensively around it. Let me tell you why that should matter to you. It means that those good works, that God, those, those talents and gifts that God made you for, you are to build your whole life around them. You got that? You're to build your whole life around them. So if you're somebody that loves to support something, then you know I don't need to be leading something. I need to build my life around helping other people drive something. Do you know 63% of the world have support-driven DNA when, when tested and polled? Of course they do. Because you can only have so many people leading something. See, let me tell you why this matters, by the way, you guys. If you do not know, this is really important. This is super important. If you do not know why God made you, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be vulnerable to every good idea. You're going to hop from job to job to job to job to job to job and wake up and be 50 and think, I, I've spent my whole life, don't even know why I'm here. You know why? One of the things I've done with our boys, I started little when they were little, I didn't take the bait all these parents says, you know, oh, you're, you're so good at, you know, if you're a kid, if you buy them a $400 DeMarini bat and a $1,000 baseball glove and they cannot hit a baseball, don't lie to them and tell them they're good at it. I wasn't going to lie to my boys. You know, one time when they were little, I was like, Dad, I want a new baseball glove. I said, well, let's learn to catch one first. Then I'll get you a better glove, Right? 
So I began telling my boys at a young age, you're not good at everything. God didn't make you like that. Don't set them up for failure. You know what? They know if it's baseball, they know they can't hit a baseball. Stop telling them they can. They're not good at it. Maybe tennis is their game. Maybe soccer is their game. Maybe lacrosse is their game. Maybe trumpet is their game. Set them up with how they're made. I think we should be honest about how God made us. If you don't know, but if you don't know how God made you, listen to me, friend, you're going to be vulnerable to everything that sounds good. You're going to be vulnerable. Your kids, let me tell you, parents, teach your kids their DNA. I run my boys through a disc profile when they were when they, when they starting at about the age of 12. And I start working with their personality design because I know God made them special. And God made them unique. But if they don't know what that is, they're going to be pulled off task. They're going to be pulled off mission. And it's so important to build their lives. I, I want, that's, that's my heart for you. I, my heart for you is that you know why you're here. You know why you're here on this planet to walk constructively around that. You see, when you look at the book of Acts, and by the way, we're, we're going to be in the book of Acts a lot over the years. You know why? It's the blueprint for the modern church. It's the blueprint. God gave us a blueprint for the modern church. We're going to be in the book of Acts a lot. It's our manual. If you look in the book of Acts, you know what that church did? They, they were healthy in that they were showing their community the practical love of God. God needs your presence out there. Let me tell you what Clearview doesn't need. Clearview doesn't need your attendance. Franklin needs your presence. I mean, I, I love it that you come. But this broken world that God has sent us into, it needs your presence. You matter. And you matter a lot. And I, but I, I want to I tell you something this morning. Okay? I want to... We said in this church series that we were going to often talk about what a church is and what it isn't. What we're called to do and what we're not called to do. You know, when I, when I describe Williamson County to other pastors and people that don't live here, lived here a long time, and uh, I've gotten to know this county in many ways, just like many of you have that have lived here a long time. And one of the great benefits of this county is that so many, like I, I pastor a church full of wildly talented people, highly educated people. And that's really good. It's also tough. Because, see, you, mo most of you, hey, I, by a show of hands, I don't normally do this to you, by a show of hands, how many of y'all moved into Franklin? You weren't born here. You moved in here. Raise your hands high. Look at that. Yeah, proves my point, man. I knew it. Um, you, you were brought here because you're good at something. You were, brought, you were brought by Nissan or you were brought by HCA or you were brought as a school teacher or you moved here because you're, you're, you started a business. We, you, you, got, you, were, you were brought to Williamson County or the, the general region because you're really driven and you're good at what you do and you're educated. I think the last statistic I saw is that 65% of Williamson County people have a college degree or higher. 
We're an educated, wealthy group. But let me tell you what I also tell pastors all the time. I also serve an exhausted county. People are exhausted. For the same reasons that make you good. You're brought here because you're an earner. You're brought here because you're intelligent. You're brought here because you know how to make strategic decisions. You're brought here because you shine among your peers. But the problem is, once you get here, like you made it to the NFL, now you've got to keep your spot. Now you've got to keep your spot. And I serve an exhausted county. Most people that I talk to, I have lunch with people all the time. And they tell me, I'm exhausted. I'm weary. The hard part about church, though, is it's... Now, can I, can I say it to you like I feel it? This morning, can I just... Can I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you like I feel it. This is going to liberate you. Okay? I hope. If it doesn't, my email is some guy at clearview.org. Okay? <laughs> But let me tell you, when you come here, it's hard to turn that off. It's hard for you to turn it off because you're paid to make decisions. You're paid to have an opinion because you're smart. You're paid to have, and listen, we got a whole lot of opinions at Clearview. I've been here five years. Can I say it like I feel it? This way. We got a whole lot of opinions at Clearview. I mean, like a whole lot. More so than any church I've ever pastored. We got a whole lot of really good opinions. But here's, here's, what, here's where the blessing could be for you, friend. The blessing could be for you that you don't, this could be the one sanctuary where you just get to serve God. For, and and for, for 90 minutes every Sunday, I don't have to think about P&Ls. I don't have to think about hiring and firing. I do not have to think about KPIs. For 90 minutes a week, I don't have to. Man, they ask me to stand out and wave at people and greet, and I just, yes. Thanks for coming, you know. Like, because here's what's happening, right? Let me tell you. This is my son's. I, I bought this for him, and I uh, bought one for each of them. This is Cole's. Um, I got this in, in Leeds, um, Dirty Leeds, uh, they call it. Uh, this is a rugby jersey uh, in, um, in up, up around Yorkshire. And, and I bought him a jersey, and, they, and, they, and sometimes he wears it. It's a rugby jersey, authentic. It's actually, I, I spent the money. I, I want the real deal, you know. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know any of these companies or anything, but uh, they told me it was the real deal, and so I bought it. I want him to have something that was like that over there. See, the great thing about the people that play is they get to have all the fun. The people that play win the trophies. Players win championships. Players get to have all the fun. You know who doesn't get to have fun? These people. <laughs> right? You, you know what these people do? I mean, and it's, and it's, by the way, I was one of these people in college, so I mean, I, I, I've been on both sides of the ball. 
You know what these people get to do? I mean, in essence, they're critics. I mean, seriously. In essence, foul, you didn't do it right. Stop. Let's talk about that one. Right? Flag. But you know what's interesting about referees? They've never won a trophy. Not once. A famous philosopher one time said, there's never been a statue in the history of humanity erected to a critic. Can I just say it like I feel it this morning at Clearview? I'm not, don't, 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 don't misquote me. Don't hear me say something I'm not saying. We need your input as a staff. We really do. We really do. We need your input. You're smart and educated. There are people in this church that are, I'm not saying this to make you feel better. I mean, like, I, I'm in awe of what you know. What comes so easy to you, I don't even know where to start. But the problem that we have at our church sometimes is we got a whole lot of generals when we need a lot more soldiers. There can only be so many generals on the battlefield. We need soldiers. We need soldiers. We need players. We need players who, who are, this could be a sanctuary for you. This could be the one place where, you know, when, when we cast new visions and we're going to be casting them, you better put your seatbelt on the next six months, buddy. We got a lot of things behind the scenes happening that are coming together. You better put your seatbelt on. And when, and when we start casting those visions, you know what we need? This, is, this could be a sanctuary, a respite for you, for you to go, yes, they just, they teed it up. We're just going to help. It could be the one place where you're like, oh, I ain't got to be in charge of it, man. This is awesome. It's so great. I don't have to run it. I don't have to be responsible for it. I can just go play the game. Right? And that's who gets to win trophies, the players. Let me show you a picture from a recent mission trip. Here. Um, See, you got to be real careful what you text me, okay? Because sometimes it winds up in the sermon that week. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't really know what's going on right there. I haven't gotten the backstory. I, I, I actually didn't want to know, to be honest. I, I don't know if they're practicing. You know, we have a partnership in Montana. Maybe Zach is getting re- and Tommy are getting ready for the rodeo in Three Forks. I, maybe they're just, I don't know. I don't really, I, I, when I saw it, I'm like, I, okay, it opened up a thousand questions for me. Now you, but you know, you know what I also see right there? Let me tell you what I also see. I don't just see two guys having fun on a mission trip. We have all kinds of places to serve. We're working in Waverly right now. You could join that. You don't have to make decisions. When you get there, Jerry Thomas is going to say, hey, pick up that paint bucket, paint that wall. Okay, that's great, thanks. I just want to help. I, I, I tell you what I see happening right there, not just two dudes having fun, putting down a floor for a place that's in severe poverty. I see a songwriter who just wanting to play ball alongside a, a retired detective 
who was in shootouts, who protected this county for almost 30 years, who saw the worst side of humanity and can talk to you for hours upon hours about Franklin in ways that you didn't even know existed here. And I just see two men that, that just said, yeah, I'll help. I don't have to run it. I don't have to lead it. I can just help. See, you were created for good works. To build your whole life around them. To build your whole life around them. My job, Shane's job, Graham's job, Alexis' job, Kim Margrave's job. Our job is to help you find yours. Our job is to help you find yours. And, and I've told you many times, and I'm going to keep telling you, as long as I'm the pastor here, let me tell you what we're not going to be, a seminary. We're not going to be a place where you can come and get Bible smart, man. Uh-uh. First of all, I'm not b- that Bible smart. There's way guys better than me. You can buy books by John Piper. You can buy books by, I mean, I could just list off names all day long. My job is not to make you Bible smart, man. My job is when you come in here to get you ready for the war room, to get you ready for life on the street. My job is to get you better and help you understand how to apply the scriptures to parenting and how to apply the scriptures to when you sign a contract and form a contract, because many of you do. My job is to help you be not Bible smart, it's to help you be Bible literate, that you can actually go and execute those principles in everyday life on the whole of life on the whole of life. That's my calling, is to help you find yours. It's, that's my job, to help you find yours. And I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that is going to be there. And by the way, if, if you're a guest here, like if, you, if you're coming to, to, to think maybe this guy's going to, I'm going to walk in here and he's going to fill my mind with all the different movements of the Abrahamic covenant and how that works, go to, the, leave, let this be your last time. God bless you, because I'm going to frustrate you. I, don't, I mean, I'm glad you're here, but I'm going to frustrate you. I am going to frustrate you. Because I'm not a pulpit professor. And I've never been called to be. My job is to help you find yours. And give you the ability to and help you find coaching. To go be a player. It's been my passion for 30 years. To help you find people that you can hit your wagon to, just like, what I love about that picture is, that's a, that's a great picture of Clearview because we're a multi-generational church. I mean, those two dudes are separated by like a thousand years. <laughs> right? And I love it. I love it. You got a millennial guy and his wife, Brittany. Listen, for all of you young students or you young ladies, about to get married or something in your 20s. You want to get around a woman of God? Get around Zach's wife. She'll show you how to be a woman of God. Some of you in your 20s, you want to, you want to get around a man of God? Get around Zach. I've watched him. Some total man of God. You want to get around a man of God that knows how to, how to just get to work? Get around Tommy Campsey. He'll show you how to get to work in Jesus' name. So my, the question then becomes, what do I do today? That's the big question. It's the last question. What do I do today? We are his workmanship, created 
to, to walk in good works. It doesn't mean walk. It means build my life around my design. And so my response to you, friend, would be this. If you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus. You're never going to understand the artwork in you until you meet the artist. You've got to meet the artist. Come to Christ. And after this worship is over, go straight out those doors and straight to that back wall, and we will tell you how to come to Christ to meet the artist that made the artwork in you. Or if you've already done that, then I would say to you, get some coaching. Do you know every week at Clearview, every week we have our pastors sitting down with people. All, I, I would venture to say, literally, I, there may be a couple of weeks go by here and there, but every week at Clearview, we have these things called like place. Place is a, a, a course you go through. It's short. We're actually doing it next week, and it helps you discover your spiritual gifts, your DNA. It helps you discover how you look at the world. That's coaching. And then one of our pastors will sit down with you, and, or, one of our, or one of our ministry leaders will sit down with you, and, and they'll say, hey, this is what I see. Like, this is the profile that I see that God made when he made you. And let's help you find it. Let's help you find it, because you were designed for good works. You were designed for good works. Find Christ. If you've already found Christ, listen, friend. If, if, this is the last thing I'm going to say to you today. In the most positive motive in my heart, in the most pure motive that I can find in my heart, if I could force you to do anything, if I could literally grab you by the spiritual back of the neck and drag you somewhere, I would drag you into place. I would drag you into finding your spiritual gifts and your life story and making sense of your life story. I would, if I could force you to do anything, it wouldn't be to give, you, give more money. It wouldn't be to come to church more. I would grab you and I would drag you into place and I would sit you in that chair and I'd say, you get that pad out and that pencil and that Bible and we're going to work because God made you special. He made you to make a difference and I want you to find it. Because I'm telling you, man, when you do find it, oh, I mean, everything in the past starts making sense. Everything in the future starts clearing up. And you'll find energy to do what you were born to do. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.